Today's teaching text is from the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, I will be reading in chapter 4, starting in verse 17, and we'll go through verse 25. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. These are the words of the Lord. You may be seated. So as I... Uh, As I've already mentioned, we're taking some time this fall to cast some vision for the kind of church that we want to be. And the kind of church we want to be is anchored to Jesus and his kingdom. Uh, Today is the second of three talks that I'm giving called The Aim of Jesus. And last week, we talked about the announcement of Jesus, the idea that the kingdom has come and the implications that the kingdom has come for us. Uh, in in the world today. Uh, Next week, I'm going to talk about the mission of Jesus, but today, I want to talk about the I in the middle of AIM, which is uh, the invitation of Jesus. Uh, So if you haven't already, I want to invite you to open your Bibles or your Bible app to Matthew chapter 4. We'll pretty much be camped out there, but I will definitely be referencing some other other scriptures today. But in Matthew chapter 4 and the other Gospels, Jesus extends an an invitation to um, a a group of guys, most of whom scholars believe were probably in their teenage years. So I want you to just sort of take a step back from all the movies for a second about the life and times of Jesus Christ. And I want you to consider the youthfulness of the disciples that he was calling. Sort of the best reference um, I have for that in my own life Uh, was the first Broadway show I got to see when we moved to New York, which was Godspell. And I got to see that because Jeremy sent me tickets. Do not talk to Jeremy today. He has no tickets for any show uh, for you or for anyone. So, um, but I am uh, so grateful to sit in a show which just like sort of brings out the, 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 the ages, the youthfulness, the maturity, the stage of life that the disciples were in. So I want you to consider that for a second. But, but here was Jesus' invitation, three simple words, okay? Come, follow me. That was the invitation. That's the invitation of Jesus. Uh, 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 British pastor John Stott and theologian says, our Christian life began not with our decision to follow Christ, but with God's call to us to do so. Your faith, my faith, where this whole thing began was not with just us sitting back and making a decision to follow Christ, but it was God extending this invitation to us. 
uh, in the same way that Jesus has extended the invitation to these young first disciples. It's the same invitation that I responded to when I was a child uh, growing up in church. It's the same invitation that I've responded to each day since then, uh, some days more faithfully than others. But the question that I, I hope that you'll consider today is not whether or not you have responded to Jesus' invitation. That's not really helpful language. It's not even really biblical language. The question that I want you to consider this morning is whether or not you are responding to this life-altering invitation. Come follow me. The aim of Jesus is to announce the good news of the kingdom and then to invite us into a lifelong pursuit of the way of Jesus. This is what it means to be actually a disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a follower of Jesus. In other words, a disciple of Jesus isn't some sort of special brand of Christian. It's not some sort of like higher level of having faith in Jesus. No, people who truly follow Jesus are his disciples. So uh, I think it's probably more helpful today to ask the question, am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Than it is to actually ask, am I a Christian? And what I want to point out is that Jesus isn't trying to convert people to religion or to a religion. Jesus is calling people to follow him. Again, that's what it means to be a disciple. So just for a, a working de definition for us today, a disciple is a committed lifelong learner and follower of Jesus. This isn't, these aren't for the like, leaders or the special Christians or the people that have some sort of higher aptitude for this stuff. This is baseline Christian faith. It's that you and I respond to the invitation with our lives and a lifelong pursuit of, uh, that's committed to, to learning and to following Jesus. That's what a disciple of Jesus is. It matters not what you call yourself today, but it does matter who you follow. Following Jesus isn't a matter of inviting Jesus into your life. That's sort of how, that was the language of the church that I was in when I, uh, when I began to follow Jesus. It was, you know, do you want to invite Jesus into your heart? And there's, there's beautiful, you know, precious language connected to that. Uh, it, the problem with that is it's not biblical language. Nobody in the scriptures ever invites Jesus into their heart. I'm not, like, criticizing if that's the language you use, that's fine, or whatever, but it's important that we understand that following Jesus isn't a matter of inviting Jesus into our life. It is a matter of Jesus inviting you into his life. That's what Christian, the Christian faith is all about. And so when we talk about pursuing Jesus as a church, so you'll hear those words a lot, our five pursuits, and, and pursuing Jesus, pursuing the way of Jesus, pursuing the kingdom of Jesus. So when we talk about pursuing Jesus, what I want you to know is what we're really talking about is just following after him. Jesus is moving, he's invited us to move, and so we are in pursuit of Jesus, we are following behind Jesus. And there's so much of the invitation of Jesus, so, uh, so I, wanna take, I wanna take this invitation one word at a time this morning. So first word of Jesus' in, his invitation is what? Come, come. From that time on, this is from our teaching text in Matthew 4, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the announcement of the aim of Jesus. The kingdom has come near. Now, in light of that, as Jesus calls these disciples. He's walking beside this, the Sea of Galilee. He sees these two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and he calls them. Uh, while they're casting a net into the lake, he calls them, come, follow me. Come, 
And then in verse 20, we read, at once they left their nets and they followed him. And of course, Jesus comes across another set of brothers and they're actually fishing with their father, which was not uncommon, a family fishing business in the day. And Jesus issues the same call to them and in verse 22, we read, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. At once they left their nets, Peter and Andrew, and followed him, and then immediately they left the boat, that's James and John. Here's the first thing we learn about following Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus by staying where you are. Wherever that is today, you cannot follow Jesus by staying where you are. The invitation of Jesus demands that we leave whatever it is or wherever it is, we leave all of that behind uh, and follow him. Ronald Rollheiser, in a, a book I highly recommend called The Holy Longing, says this. He says, every choice is a renunciation. Indeed, every choice is a thousand renunciations. To choose one thing is to turn one's back on many others. And so what I want to point out this morning is every true disciple of Jesus has left everything else to follow him. Because Jesus' invitation begins with the call to come to him. So if you want to follow Jesus, you can't do that where you are. And as I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week, maybe that's why some of us are struggling right now. Maybe this is the peace. It's this first word that seems like such a simple invitation. And really, it is a simple invitation, although it demands everything of us. Maybe that's why we're struggling, because... Because we believe in Jesus, but we haven't had the courage to leave where we're at to follow Jesus. Now, that creates huge tension in the lives of men and women. To read about or hear about or be enraptured by or encountered by the living, loving God, the Son, Jesus, through his spirit, to have some sort of experience with him and to believe in him, but not see the fruit of the life that we see in so many other people experiencing, that, that, that uh, sort of like a grand canyon between our belief and our actual lived experience. And oftentimes it comes down to, I believe, why am I not experiencing this, where the truth is the people who experience the fruit of the life and ministry of Jesus were those people who left to follow Jesus. They were the ones who experienced Christ. We'd much prefer Jesus come and bless the life that we have right now than leave it all behind. I mean, many of us have spent years building the life that we have. Even the youngest people in, in our congregation have spent years build, building the life that we have. You've worked hard at school. You've gotten the highest grade point average you can possibly get. You've done a bunch of extracurricular activities, not because you like them, but because they look good on your resume. You've done everything that you can to go after a, a certain life. And now here comes Jesus, and he's calling you to leave it. Now, what does that mean? What is he actually calling me to leave? I'm actually, are you, am I supposed to leave school? What do you, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't have a boat. What, what's, what does it mean to really leave and to follow Jesus? I want us to take a step back from that practically speaking right now, and I just want the truth of it to sort of settle in our heart. Because the truth of it is the problem for most of us when it comes to faith when it comes to Jesus, the problem for most of us is not about believing, it's about leaving. And there are a lot of people, I think, in our, this church, because I struggle with this. I believe 
all day long, and it takes a lot to really rock my faith. And I'm not saying that as a testimony. I, faith is a spiritual gift, and it's just I'm also naive. And so, and, and so maybe that's sort of the combination of those things just makes it hard for me to sort of become unsettled too deeply in my faith, even though I've been through some stuff too. But the problem isn't about me believing. The problem is, am I willing to to put into the hands of Jesus this life that I've been building for myself because what if, he, what if he calls me to do something else or what if where he leads is different? What if, I, what if I can't be here anymore in this church? What if I can't be here in this city anymore? What if I, what if I can't have this, uh, the income that I have or what if, I, uh, what if I can't be around my children or I mean, all the questions, we all have those questions. When we begin to do what the scriptures call us to do before following Jesus, which is count the cost. Because the cost of coming to Jesus is the cost of leaving everything else behind. You cannot follow Jesus where you're at. And some of you need to hear what I'm about to say. It's time for you to leave, not this church, Please stay. (laughs) But maybe your fear. Guys, I feel really pressed on this this morning by the Spirit. Not just this fear thing, but a couple of other things. But I think I'm supposed to say to some of you this morning, you've stayed in your fear long enough. And Jesus is saying, come. Leave that. Now come. Some of you, you've lived in your shame long enough, and here comes Jesus, and you're, you're casting your net in your shame, and Jesus says, come, follow me. I'm going to teach you to fish for something else. I'm going to redeem this. I'm going to repurpose this in your life. Some of you, you've stayed in your woundedness for far too long. Come, leave that place and follow Jesus. You've lived in this little world that you've built for yourself. You're in a job that isn't doing it for you. Your family is holding you back. Can I paraphrase Jesus this morning by saying, get up, come on, let's go. I think some of you need to hear that today. So the question is then, I think, what is the thing that's holding you back this morning? What is the thing that you're finding really hard to leave? Or if this is really what it's about, if it's not about Jesus coming and blessing the thing you have or the place where you are or the thing that you're holding on to for security, if that's not what Jesus is all about, but he's calling me to leave it, what's that one thing this morning that you'd be afraid to leave? I want to invite you to like pray a, a bold prayer today, something like this. Come, Holy Spirit, show me what I am struggling to leave behind. Some of you might know what it is already this morning. But others of us, we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate. Come show me what I'm struggling to leave behind. The call, here comes Jonathan. I see him, don't worry, he's, he's good, okay. So much movement going on up here today. It's a little, that was encouraging. Jonathan's a good guy. You cannot follow Jesus by staying where you're at. Number two. The second word in Jesus' invitation is follow. Jesus is walking along the shore. He says, come, and not just come, but come and follow. In other words, Jesus isn't just hanging out either. Jesus isn't stationary. 
Embedded in Jesus' language is this idea that we come to Jesus, but then Jesus is, is moving, and so we continue to come to Jesus. We continue to follow Jesus wherever he, wherever he is. It's amazing to me, even in New York, as small as the apartments are, when you, those of you who have children know what it feels like to call your children to come to you and them just not to come. Not come. Isn't the most annoying, I'm telling you as a parent, it's one of the like, worst thing, or to have them yelling for you to come to them. I'm not coming to you. You're not coming to me. I'm not coming to you. You can stick your head out and see me from where you are, and we can have this, commun- this conversation. Following isn't something we always love to do, but it's required. We come into the room with Jesus, recognizing that Jesus himself isn't going to stay in that room, that Jesus is actually inviting us on a journey, not into a room. Church is not a room we come into. Church is not a stagnant sort of target, a place like that. Jesus is inviting us on a journey. Jesus is walking, this is again Matthew 4. Some of this will be a little bit repetitive this morning. He's walking by the sea. He sees the the brothers. And verse 19, come follow me. I've put in Matthew 9 as well because later on in Matthew's gospel, he's going to actually in essence, sort of tell his own story where he's being called to follow Jesus. In Matthew 9, 9, we read, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and he followed him. I suggest that none of these young guys had any clue as to where Jesus was actually going. But they left everything and they began to follow Jesus. Wherever he went, that's where they went. So here's the second thing we learn. You cannot follow Jesus and blaze your own trail. You can't follow Jesus and stay where you are. Secondly, you can't follow Jesus and blaze your own trail. And I know, I was gonna pose this as a question, I'm just gonna pose it as a statement this morning. We have a lot of trailblazers in this room. You've done your thing, you've, you've, you've charted your, your path, your course, and you've done it, you've, like, you've, you've blazed the trail. You, you know what a trailblazer is, right? A, a trailblazer is the person that comes through carving out the path and then putting the blaze, putting the actual sort of uh, mark on the tree so everybody else knows where the path is and where the path leads. But Jesus isn't looking for trailblazers. He's not looking for spiritual entrepreneurs, not in sort of the faith sense. Entrepreneurs, yes, and Jesus wants to use you. But Jesus isn't looking for trailblazers. Scott McKnight says those who aren't following Jesus aren't his followers. Now, that seems redundant and repetitive, but I want you to think about that for a second. Those who aren't following Jesus aren't his followers. It's that simple. Followers follow, and those who don't follow aren't followers. Follow me? Okay. So we might identify as a follower of Jesus, but the question is, well, where is he taking you? Like, where have you been with Jesus? Um, what's, What's next? Do you know what's next? Do you know where he's going? How are you following Jesus? What are you learning along the way? Are you growing in like sort of any sort of spiritual proficiency? Is your faith growing because you follow Jesus and as you're following Jesus, you just see him meet people's needs everywhere he goes. 
Like in our text this morning in Matthew chapter four, everyone from the Decapolis and all around Jerusalem and Judea, they all hear and then they see what Jesus is doing and then they follow him as well. What have you seen Jesus do? See, if we haven't seen Jesus do anything or we haven't heard Jesus say anything, we may not be following Jesus, not in the sense of discipleship. And some of us are struggling right now, not because we don't really want Jesus, but because we don't really want to follow him or maybe even anybody. I, I think we have, we have a lot of artists in our church, but we also have a lot of engineers and people who work in the STEM fields and are pursuing that. And I just think as a community and maybe just as people in general, we prefer physics over faith. Now, that's a, that's a bold and broad statement. I mean that maybe generally. There's something about physics that really grabs our attention and you know, elicits some sort of faith in, 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 the scientific, in the scientific world. But what I mean specifically by that this morning, by the fact that we, we uh, much prefer phys- physics over faith, is that what we really prefer in our lives is the path of least resistance. That's a physical, a physics sort of idea. That we are looking to live our lives, not that we don't do hard things ever, But ultimately, what we're looking to do is to follow the path of least resistance. Water is often used as the example. And you go, well, didn't water carve the Grand Canyon? Or didn't water is carving the banks or these other things? And it's like actually doing anything. Yeah, but it's, it's still looking for, now that becomes the path of least resistance. It's still moving downhill trying to create a, a, a way to move with the least resistance possible, to move forward in life. And I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for, many of us, the pathway that provides the least resistance to move forward in our life because so much energy is required to live life, especially here in the city. Physics, quite frankly, is easier than faith. It's easier to follow the path of least resistance because to come after Jesus, it requires us to deny ourselves that relative ease of life along the path of least resistance. And according to Jesus, instead requires us to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus. That's what Jesus said. He said, if anyone, any man, any woman would come after me, if anyone would follow me, they must do what? These two things, deny themselves and take up their cross. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. So if I've learned anything about Jesus in my life, it's it's that Jesus never takes the path of least resistance, ever. In fact, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which I encourage you to do every week, read a portion of the Gospels. If you read the Gospels, you see in Jesus, oftentimes it seems like he is intentionally going out of his way, and that must have been painstaking for his disciples. When, when the scriptures say, now Jesus had to go through Samaria, the truth is Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria, Jesus chose to go through Samaria. Samaria, there was great resistance in Samaria between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. But in Jesus' mind, he had to go, not because it was the path of least resistance, because, but that's because where the Father was leading. See, Jesus followed too. Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father doing. The Father's leading Jesus by the Spirit. 
And Jesus went to hard places and he encountered resistance and he did it time and time again. And that's a hard master to follow. A master that doesn't seem to know where the path of least resistance is. And yet this is what we're called to, to follow Jesus. So I wanna let you in on a little secret this morning, okay? We might sort of erase this from the recording later for the web. It's really hard to follow Jesus. It's really hard to follow Jesus. So can I just say this to you this morning? If you're having a hard time following Jesus this morning, there's a chance that you're probably doing it right. Okay? Some very nervous laughter, not even laughter really, just nervous snickers in the crowd because some of you are struggling. If you're in a marriage right now that seems hard, you're probably doing it right. You know why? Because marriage is hard. If you're in a job in New York City that feels hard right now, or you're in the job market looking for a job, and that seems hard right now, I feel you, but that's, it's because it's hard. And following Jesus is like that. You might be doing it right. You maybe have just forgotten the invitation that you first responded to, which is to follow Jesus throughout his life wherever Jesus decides to take us. To come after Jesus is to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. It's some level of comfort to think back on the passion story of Jesus and remember, be reminded that even Jesus couldn't bear the weight of his own cross. So what makes you think you can bear the weight of your cross? If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross. And so what does that mean? Is that like just for like really, really tough, strong people, Christians that can handle all the stuff and not be, and not be uh, sort of knocked off track or defeated by those things? No, it's hard to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus has given us the spirit. That's why the, the soldiers grab a man out of the crowd to carry the cross with Jesus the rest of the way because it's hard to follow Jesus. But then again, it's important to remember, it's hard anyway. It's hard to follow Jesus, but it's, life is hard without following Jesus because life equals resistance. And nobody knows that better than a New Yorker. So remember those things. Life is hard without Jesus. Life is hard with Jesus. But the difference is you're never alone when you're following Jesus. So you just simply cannot accept the invitation of Jesus if you're out in front searching for the path of least resistance, dictating to Jesus where you want him to go. He's not a team of horses for crying out loud. He's in the driver's seat, and you're following along. So to accept the invitation of Jesus is to deny yourself. It's to surrender to his call and to follow him. And then finally, the third word, come follow me. So I'm going to pull us, we're going to stay in Matthew, but I'm going to pull us out of Matthew 4. Uh, the words of Jesus here, Matthew 11, verse 29, are really helpful. Jesus says this, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So here's the third thing we learn about following Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus without pursuing the way of Jesus. 
This phrase, take my yoke upon you. If you've done any sort of Hebraic studies, you might have an understanding of of what that is. This isn't about eggs and it's not about cattle. The, the, The yoke, which I've heard I've heard the, the, the cattle explanation, which may or may not be helpful, but the yoke in, is the, sort of represents the totality of a rabbi's life and teaching. And so the way that these young disciples would have heard this phrase as Jesus extended uh, this invitation to them is what they would have heard when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. They would have heard, learn from me. They, they would have heard the invitation to do what Jesus was going to do. They would have heard the invitation to become like their rabbi, to become like their teacher, to become like Jesus. Cultivate your life according to mine, Jesus might might have said. See, I think we long for the fruit of, of, of life with Jesus, but the question is, how committed are we to cultivate? We we we're we love the fruit, we're tempted by the fruit. I mean, that's our story, isn't it? The root of our story. We love shiny fruit. We can't stay away from it, even if you tell us to. It's hard to. And we long for the fruit that we see maybe displayed in other people, or maybe we've experienced in our own lives, in our own faith in the past, and maybe we're not experiencing it today. Or maybe we're just trying out sort of the faith thing in Jesus, but we're not, it's like, like our lives really aren't all that different. We long for the fruit, but the, we, what we oftentimes forget is there's a, an amount of, a level of cultivation required for fruit to be born in our lives. So for example, we long for that we defined um, the kingdom last week, according to the scriptures, as justice, as peace, and as joy. And I think those are things we all really long to see in the earth, in the world. We long for the fruit of justice for the poor and marginalized. So many of us work in, in those fields. Um, we, we long for the fruit of peace, peace of mind, or p- peace on earth, or peace relationally, or even peace with God. We long for the fruit of joy that lifts us up and sustains us through it all. We long for that fruit, but are we doing the work of cultivation that produces that kind of fruit in our lives? That doesn't just come automatically. Anyone who's experiencing the fruit of Jesus is a person who's been following Jesus. It's a person who has learned by watching the life of Jesus how to cultivate their lives in order to produce that kind of fruit. The fruit belongs to the Spirit, but the Spirit works in conjunction with us and how we align our lives with what the Spirit is doing in us. And so what Carly was sharing earlier about the the plans that we put in place, and what I want to say again to you this morning is that as a church, we're taking the yoke of Jesus upon us. We're saying yes to the totality of Jesus' life and his teaching, to learn how to cultivate the life of Christ, the life of the resurrection in in our own lives. One, so that we can experience it, but two, so that God might use us to bring that life to bear on the city around us. And so we're taking the yoke of Jesus upon us by committing ourselves to these five pursuits, Jesus, freedom, belonging, mission, and presence. This is our language for taking the yoke of Jesus upon us. The way of Jesus is the way of freedom. The way of Jesus is the way of belonging. The way of Jesus is the way of mission. The way of Jesus is the way of presence. 
And then connected to each of those pursuits in our church is a whole set of tools and resources and people and uh, and opportunities to learn and to grow so that we might come alive in Christ, living an abundant life, bearing fruit that the scriptures talk about for those who follow Jesus. So to discover your mission, to help you live in the presence of the Holy Spirit, to help you live according to the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. This is, this is what we, we, we aim to see as a community. So I wanna extend this invitation to you this morning. The invitation is come with us. Come with us. I'm not saying like show up more Sundays. That'd be fine, whatever. But we, the truth is we could sit in this room every single Sunday, every single week, and not really come follow Jesus. So the invitation that I want to extend to you is come with us as we answer collectively, together as a community, as we answer the call of Jesus to follow him. That's what the church is. The church is, it's us. It's a, it's a we. It's, a, it's together. And so if we go back to that definition of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and apply it to the church, we'd say that the church is a community of committed lifelong learners and followers of Jesus struggling to leave it all behind, stumbling beneath the weight of our crosses, and living in the pursuit of Jesus and his kingdom. That's what the church is. The church, this church is in it and we're in it together. And I hope that comes across as good news to you because the truth is, it's very difficult to leave what Jesus calls us to leave if we're doing it by ourselves. It's it's so difficult, if not impossible, to carry your cross in your own strength. You can't pursue the way of Jesus by yourself. And I think that's why God, in his grace and in his generosity, has given us in this room to one another. Come follow me, Jesus said. And so I want to invite you to come with us as we respond to his invitation uh, today and in this next season and in the years to come. I want to close with this, just a quote by Sinclair Ferguson. He writes, how do we bring glory to God? The Bible's short answer is by growing more and more like Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to grow more and more like Jesus Christ as we go after, as we pursue the way of Jesus and his kingdom. We're going to create some space to respond and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us today. I hope that something I said, or maybe, some, maybe something between something I said, landed with you. Maybe the Spirit is already speaking something to you. Maybe it's connected to what I had to say this morning. Maybe it's sort of just related But I want to give you three potential ways to respond this morning. I think Jesus is calling some of you this morning to come, to leave behind something, to leave behind everything that is keeping you from following Jesus today, to finally just sort of like put a nail in that coffin and come on and to follow Jesus, to be bold, to be courageous. Others of you, I think Jesus is calling to follow, to remember and count the cost of following Jesus and get back in it, to come come again. To recognize that if it's hard, it's normal, and we're going to do this together. And then finally, I think Jesus is probably calling some of you just to himself. I love John 14, 6. I can't say it's my favorite verse. I've said that about like 14 verses, but it's one of my favorite verses where Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life.
See, the invitation of Jesus is to a person. It's, it's the invitation to a relationship through which all other relationships can be understood. It's to follow a life through which all other life can be understood. It's to live in a way that makes all other ways make sense to us. So in just a minute, I'm gonna invite you to respond with the rest of us by confessing Jesus through communion, by taking the bread and dipping it in the cup, representative of the sacrificial life of Jesus. And uh, as you take that in, symbolizing his redeeming work through his death and his resurrection, as we take that in, we confess that Jesus is Lord. In essence, we answer the call again today the invitation to come and to follow Jesus. So if, if Jesus is calling you to respond in one of those three ways, I wanna invite you to come down. When you take communion, just come stand in front. Let's worship together down here as a community. Let's pray for one another. Uh, we'll have some prayer leaders down here that would love to pray with you and for you. Uh, maybe you wanna fill out a prayer and, and add it to our wall down here this morning. Maybe you wanna go back to your seat and ask somebody there to pray with you. But let's respond in this time with an openness to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so if you're responding in one of those three ways, then just confess that as you're coming this morning. Confess it as you're coming to take communion this morning to the Lord. Jesus, I'm coming and I'm leaving behind this thing that's kept me from following you. Lord Jesus, I'm coming, I'm responding to your invitation in this way. And then respond by just sharing that with one other person so that we can pray for one another. I wanna invite you to stand as we prepare to respond.